0: Good? All right. Well, welcome everybody. And uh, before we get into the Word of God, uh, of course, uh, did you all realize there was an election this last week? And, uh, and so uh, the, uh, the Spirit of the Lord has given me a message along those lines, but He won't let me share it just, just now. I'm going to have to hold off on it a couple of few weeks uh, before He'll let me say anything about it. And so, uh, but in the meantime, uh, what we need to do is, what I've been telling you all along, is, uh, is, is keep the country in prayer. Keep the country in prayer. Because, uh, uh, because it needs it. Okay? And so keep the country in prayer. But, uh, like I said, I have some things from the Spirit of God that He wants me to say, but He won't let me say them just yet. So we'll get to them down the road a couple of weeks. I, I suspect after we finish couple more weeks on this healing uh uh series that we've been on and then uh and then uh we'll we'll say some things about it but uh what we need to do is keep our country in prayer okay keep our country in prayer and we've been uh saying that all along um and 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 that's all i can say right now so let's get back into uh into the uh into the word of god and um uh, that's where we need to keep our focus anyway, is in, in the, in the Bible. And so I have always endeavored to, to do that. Um, you know, we need to be in, involved in politics. Um, the way I've studied it over the years, this nation was set up and the founders were Christians. And if you have Christians in leadership, for real Christians now, not just in name only, but for real Christians, uh, everything will go a whole lot better, you know? You follow what I'm saying. and uh, and, and so uh, but the, uh, the pulpits, um, I will say this, pulpits should be speaking to politicians, not politicians to pulpits. Yeah. Yeah. You need to understand that. and uh, and so uh, uh, preachers should speak into political things, and we should be involved in the vote. And I've endeavored to do that. I've tried to keep a good balance, but but of course, we should always, uh, keep our emphasis on the Word of God. Uh, can, can you understand what I'm saying? Between politics. A church should not get so involved with politics that you, you lose the thrust of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the teaching of the Word. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll put it another way. Uh, Jesus ought to outrank the politicians. Is that right? And He does, and He does. But I mean as far as emphasis. you know, We ought to put more emphasis on Jesus than we do on any politician. Is that right? Yes. Absolutely the truth. And so that's what I've endeavored to do around here. But we've prayed much for politicians over the years and and so forth and so on. And, and the Bible says we ought to pray for, for the president and, you know, those in authority. Doesn't the Bible say that? That we may le- lead a peaceful life and so forth. And so we've endeavored to do that to the best of our ability and obedience with the word of God. But at the end of the day, we must keep our focus more on Jesus than we do on politics, you see. Okay, now that haven't been said. We'll say more about it in a couple of weeks down the road. Now, uh, we've been looking at Jesus's healing crusades, and then of course, once we got done with uh, Jesus's healing ministry, then we picked up in the Book of Acts as, as we see that uh, healing continued in the uh, in the church, and uh, you know, with his body after Jesus had been. Uh, uh, you know, raised from the dead, taken up to the right hand of the Father and all of that. And uh, healing didn't stop when Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, it continued with the apostles and that's what we're looking at now. And, and don't ever forget this, healing didn't end with the last apostle when the last apostle died. Healing has gone on, the, the healing power of God for the last 2,000 years. In fact, you go back in the Old Testament, you see God was a healer in the Old Testament and he is a healer in the ministry of Jesus. And he is a healer through the apostles. And, uh, but some teach that when the last apostle died, you know, uh, uh, the last apostle of Jesus died, that healing all went away. And it's not so. Didn't the Bible say, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, in my name they'll, they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And uh, there's a scripture in the, in the book of James. It says, is there any, speaking to the church, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Remember that? It talks about anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him and so on and so forth. So you see healing uh, has continued. Uh, you know, after the apostles, it continues through the church. We've seen healing here at Summit Church over the last many years. Now, uh, let's go back to Acts the eighth chapter, or, or to Acts the eighth chapter. Last week we finished with Stephen the deacon, and, uh, we saw the healing power of God in his, in his ministry. Now we'll go to, uh, uh, uh well actually, uh, let's go to Acts the eighth chapter, and, uh, Notice that verse 5 says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, you need to understand who Philip was. Philip was one of those seven deacons we talked about last week. He was named with with, with Stephen. Remember? Stephen? And Philip was was uh, actually uh, the second one in the list there in Acts, the sixth chapter, the fifth verse. You don't have to look it up now, but the Bible call, uh, says that they uh, chose out from among them seven men full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I feel impressed to say this as you study that list in Acts, the sixth chapter and the fifth verse. You see, Stephen, we talked about him last week, the first martyr. You see Philip, who we're going to talk about now. But as you go on in that list, there's, uh, I, th- I think, uh, and and I'd have to go back and look at, well, let's just look at it. Acts, the sixth chapter and the fifth verse. Maybe they can throw that up on the screen. If they can, they can. If they can't, they can't. But, because uh, I, I didn't give this to the projectionist, but Acts, the sixth, the sixth chapter and the uh, fifth verse, I believe it is. Um let's see here. Uh, it talks about uh, Acts 6, 5. Let's see, Acts 6, 5. Uh, okay, here we go. And uh, let's pick up in the middle of that verse, New King James version, version. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And uh, of course, he was the first martyr. Then Philip, okay, and we're going to talk about him here in a moment and uh uh and then uh procurus i guess is how you say that i don't know i used to be a math teacher not an english teacher so you know i'll do the best i can and then uh nicanor Timon, par par uh par, 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 par all right perennis got some english teachers over here i guess it can help me So you never probably ever heard much of them, but they're there in the Bible. And then that last one was, uh, Nicholas, right? Now you need to realize I went, I went through all that to point Nicholas out to you. And, uh, from my study of it, now here you have a man that started out full of the, full of, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of power, chose by the apostles, to be uh, deacons. And you need to realize, Nicholas, have you ever heard of the deeds of the Nicolaitans? Yeah. Which Jesus talked about in the book of Revelation. And he said, said which thing Jesus said he hates? Yeah. Well, that's where the deeds of the Nicolaitans came from. Came from this guy here, Nicholas. He was, apparently he apostatized later on. You know what that means? He turned away from the faith. So it's interesting that you can have a man full of faith and power, full of, the faith, full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and he, and he turned away and got off, in, got off into error. That should serve as a warning to all of us. Uh, that, you know, the Bible says that we ought to stay full of the Holy Ghost. And uh, and if we'll stay full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, well, if you're full of faith, you know you're going to be full of the Word, right? So you need to stay in the Word. But apparently this Nicholas got off track and got over in the false doctrine. And then apparently the deeds of the Nicolaitans came out of that. And, and Jesus said he hated that doctrine. We need to be sure that we stay full of faith and full of power and full of the Holy Ghost. Because he got off and caused much problems in the, in, in, in the church. You need to realize that. And I didn't have that in my notes, but I thought I needed to say that. F- felt impressed with the Spirit of God. But you had these guys here, and we'll, we'll center in now on Philip. Go back to Acts, the eighth chapter, and the fifth verse. Philip, he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So he was, first and foremost, he's a preacher. And actually, like I told you last week, Stephen was the first martyr. Uh, Philip is the only one that, to my knowledge, that we have record of in the New Testament that's called an evangelist. An evangelist. Now, you know, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible talks about how Jesus gave gifts unto the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, right? And so... And and those things are for today, and th- those ministry uh, offices are for today, and uh, but the evangelist now now we understand that an evangelist first and foremost would preach and proclaim the gospel. Is that right? Yes. Now now you know you got an evangelist so you got a teacher. An evangelist would be more of a of a of a preacher. You know you take a text from the Bible and you read it, then you get up and just 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 Preach, You know, a teacher is more, you're going to stay, you know, just reading the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, you need both. You you need both. You need preaching and teaching. You need preaching and teaching. Um, um, You know, you just do. You need them both. And I thank God that for the most part I teach around here, but every once in a while he'll let me preach. And you get a blessing out of preaching, you just can't get out of teaching. But you can you can get a blessing out of teaching, you can't get out of preaching. Preaching is more... T- uh, teaching is more... In- uh, teaching is more informational. Preaching is more inspirational. You need to realize, though, if all you ever get is, is, is preaching and there's never any teaching, it's easy to drift off into error. But if all you ever get is teaching and you never get any preaching, you you, you, you can dry up if you're not careful. How many of you would agree it's good to have them both? And so thankfully I've been able to, I do most of my work around teaching, but every once in a while the Spirit of God lets us preach, and and that's always fun. But uh, but, uh, uh, an evangelist, he went and he preached. Notice Acts 8, 5 said he preached Christ unto them. That's the first and foremost thing that really anybody ought to do, whether you're an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, a believer, anybody. First thing we ought to do is preach Christ. And uh, so he preached Christ, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the multitudes with one accord. Now notice here, Philip, where did he start off? He started off waiting tables, didn't he? Didn't he start off waiting tables? Would that imply some humility? Absolutely. Uh, Now, you know, he's a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, just like Stephen was. You know, it'd been real easy for those guys to say, well, we're full of faith. We're full of the Holy Ghost. We can do what Peter and John are doing. You notice they didn't take that attitude, did they? You know, Stephen, I told you last week, he preached one of the greatest sermons in all the Bible he could have said well I could preach just as good as Peter I'm not going to wait tables I'm going to preach like Peter well he knew his place he knew what God had called him to do right and, and he was willing to to stay humble in that place that God put him in I'm talking about Stephen now and he, he died a martyr's death we talked about that last week and it led to the saving of the apostle Paul him getting saved you know we need to find out what our place is and stay in it you know and we need to, need to, uh, uh, like, like Philip, he was very humble. And, uh, he must have been because he's w- willing to wait tables. But then see, you know what? The Bible says if we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he'll exalt us in due season. And so Philip humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And then God promoted him to being an evangelist. And he went down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. He preached Christ. Now, if you're going to have a healing ministry, the first thing you have to do is preach Christ. Remember, the people came to Jesus not just to be healed, but what? To hear and be healed. Is that right? And so you see here with Philip, we're going to see that he had healings here and miracles, but he didn't go down there and just start, start flowing in the healing power of God. He went down there first to Samaria and he preached. He flowed in that verbal ministry. He preached Christ unto them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You see that? Hearing and, uh, and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Amen. Is that wonderful? Yeah. Is that wonderful? Now, so you see healing continuing through through uh so it's the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. Remember the Bible said that uh that after Jesus was raised from the dead, that, that the apostles and now, now this guy here, Philip was not an original apostle of Jesus. He wasn't one of the twelve, but you see, he's he's not even an apostle. He's an evangelist. But he's gone out. And uh, remember, the Bible said that Jesus commissioned his disciples and go into all the world, preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and so forth. And so uh, Philip, he went out and he he preached Christ. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus, he he worked with them and he confirmed the word with signs following. And so, so right here, you see Philip's preaching the word and Jesus confirming the word with signs following. That's why over the years gone by, we'd had so many healings and miracles around here because we always, I always preached the word of God first, kept it first. I kept it first above anything else. I kept it first above politics. I kept it first above fantasy football. I kept it first above any kind of social activity. I kept it first above, you know, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, and all of that, and lattes. I kept it first, and we saw the healing power of God in manifestation. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. And so he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Well, you know if you want the power of God to flow you're going to have the people on the receiving end are have are going to have to be given heed to it they're going to have to be in agreement with it and receiving it and you see that's the case here and uh and, and so forth and there's great miracles took place and uh now i don't I'm not going to turn we don't I'm not going to read on for the sake of time i'll just just say this that after uh this happened, remember. That and you can read on in Acts eight and see it for yourselves. But remember that uh, uh, this city of Samaria, there was a, there was a citywide revival going on there. Absolutely citywide revival. That's what happens when a New Testament evangelist comes into an area. Oh, and by the way, an evangelist. Uh, you see, a lot of times we think of an evangelist as just the speaking, the speaking part of it. But but a true New Testament evangelists there's not only the preaching of Christ but there's the working of miracles you see uh and, and so forth and so a lot of times people when you talk about an evangelist people just think well there's there's great preaching of the, uh, of of Christ but that's just half of it a real New Testament evangelist will not only have the preaching aspect of it but will also have the flowing of the power of God and you'll see miracles signs and wonders now having said that after this, this citywide revival breaks out, um, it's interesting. I believe it was, uh, an angel. I think it was an angel of the Lord, uh, 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 appeared to Philip. I think it was. Let's, let's look at Acts, the eighth chapter there. We might as well look at it since we're here. Uh, let's see. And you don't have to put it up on the screen. Folks have their Bibles. If you, if you want to, you can. But, uh, notice here, uh, in verse nine, well, it talks about this guy, uh, Simon, that sorcerer, this is Acts 8 verse 9, and and he, now, now here's the thing, let's, let's just read this, this is Acts 8 verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, now you see, that's what the devil will do, he'll, when somebody's flown with the devil, they'll draw attention to themselves all the time, is that right? I don't see where the apostles ever drew attention to themselves. The ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ ever drew attention to themselves. Uh, we'll see as we go along here that there's one place where, where, uh, the apostle Paul, uh, there was a healing miracle took place and the crowds rushed together and wanted and began to worship him and burn offerings. You know, present offerings to him and all all of that. And he said, no, he said, I'm just a man like you. It wasn't me. It's the power of God doing it. Get up off your knees. Don't bow down to me. That's what Paul said. You see, he didn't draw attention to himself. But here you got somebody operating under the devil's power. And uh, remember, the devil will always draw attention to himself. There was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. This is in Samaria. Now remember Philip had just gone down there and preached Christ unto him. Went down there and and all these miracles going on and so forth. But now you got this saucer and, uh, and but he astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great. Uh, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is a great power of God. Now you have to be careful because you need to realize the devil can do signs and wonders also. Is that right? You need to realize that. A lot of folks don't realize that. That's why you have to really know the Word of God. I heard Brother Hagan, Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth Hagan Sr., a wonderful man of God. I heard him say this. He said, and when he first said it, I, I, I was much younger. I was just, just very young. I was probably about 26, seven years old, 26 years old. And uh, he said, and when he first said it, it I, I, had to, I had to chew on it for a while, but he was exactly right. He said that he'd seen ministers come out into a church service and operate under the power of the Holy Ghost one night and then come out the next night and operate under occult powers. But you know, as he went on, he, he extrapolated, is that a good word, extrapolated on that a little bit? He explained it a little bit more. And those ministers that did that, when they were questioned, they said this. They said, essentially, we knew it wasn't the power of the Holy Ghost, but the people wanted a supernatural move so badly that we wanted to accommodate the people, that we went ahead and started to flow. And guess what? When you start flowing and the Holy Ghost isn't in it, the devil will accommodate you. Amen. Did you hear me? Yep. Now you saw that back in the days of the laughing. Yep. Absolutely. Now you saw that. Yep. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Now when that first started, I believe it was a move of God. I believe when it first started, I believe God wanted to restore joy to the church. And when it first started, but as it went on, see the Holy Ghost will move, he'll sweep through, and then when He's 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 done, then He's done. And but you see uh, Christians, they like that laughing and going on so much that they just want to keep right on with it after the Holy Ghost was was done. And and, and you'd see things uh where the minister would get up to try to preach and there'd be people cackling and going on. You know you can tell when somebody's laughing in the spirit and when they're just laughing in the flesh. You can if you're spiritually attuned, you can tell the difference. There is a laughter in the Holy Ghost. But uh the preacher get up to preach back there years back, a long time ago. We're talking back now in the mid nineties and into in the, into in the late nineties and even in the into the Mid-2000s. It's died off now, for the most part. But, uh, preacher'd get up. At first, it was a move of God, but then it went on, it went, it went on too long. People, preacher get up to preach, and you'd have, you'd have people while the preacher's preaching, people in the back cackling. Ha 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 ha. And, it, and it, now, so if that was the Holy Ghost, is he gonna be, is the Holy Ghost gonna no. disrupt the no. preacher? What, huh? No. no? So you gotta be, you gotta stay in the Word of God for yourself and you need to be able to be attentive to the Spirit of God and in tune with the Spirit of God to discern for yourself if something's of God or it isn't. Y'all remember back that laughing that went on back yonder? And then, and then I'll tell you what else happened with that is that if, if people were in the congregations and they didn't, didn't feel a move of laughter on them and they didn't laugh, they were made to feel substandard. And, and you know as well as I do, that laughing was, was pushed. So you can have, you can have something. You can have, you can have ministers come out and operate under the power of God, but then, but then get off. Just like Nicholas, we just talked about him, how he got off. And, and I could do a whole teaching on him. He got off. We've got to be sure we don't get off. And remember, you can't let your pastor, your preacher, do all your studying for you. You've got to do that yourself. I've had people get mad as a wet hornet at me and, and leave the church over the many years because I'd come up and something was going on somewhere or another. And I'd get up and I without calling any names, I'd just deal with the, with the false, the falseness that was going on in certain ministry or whatever, you know. And I'd get people get mad as a wet hornet at me and, and leave because they weren't in tune to the Holy Ghost for themselves. And they'd say, well, pastor, that looks right. That looks so good. What's going on over there? I say, yeah, but it's not in line with the word of God. I've had people already tell me, well, I don't care. It looks like it's good to me. I'm going over there. So what do you just let them go and pray for them? But here you got Simon had the people thinking he was a great power of God. And then in verse 11, and they heeded him because... He had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. That's verse 11. So you got to watch and know the word of God for yourself. Know the spirit of God for yourself. Or you'll get deceived. But when they believed, now watch this, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God... In the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now this water baptized. So they got saved. That indicates to me they got saved. You've got to get saved before you get water baptized. And notice verse 13. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, I mean, I can get real excited about that because here you've got a sorcerer and he's operating under occult power and some things are happening, but then you've got an evangelist full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God and he comes in there. We're talking about Philip and, and, and he operates under the power of God and the power of God will always outdo the power of the devil. Can you say amen? amen. And so you see right here that... Um, uh Simon is astonished. The sorcerer. And he's so astonished at the real, the real power of God that he gets saved. I think. I think he got saved. I don't know. There's speculation as to whether or not he got saved. We'll see as we read on. I didn't have this in my notes. I just feel impressed to read through this. Is it okay if we read through this? just interesting. So notice this. So what happened? Simon himself also. Well, it says he believed and was baptized. So I mean, I guess just from right there, you'd have to conclude he's saved, right? Let's just put it this way: he's saved in verse thirteen. Let's just hope he's still saved by the time we finish the chapter. What do you say? Okay. So verse verse fourteen. But if you stop if you stop at verse thirteen, he's okay because he believed. And then he was water baptized, you know. Uh, Now, you don't have to be water baptized to be saved. You understand that. But, but if you're saved, you need to go ahead and be water baptized. You don't need to be water baptized to be saved. But if you're saved, you need to be water baptized. See, that came out by the Holy Ghost. I've never said that in my life, but that was something that I, that I've been searching for that for, for 40 years. I've been searching for that. And it came out of my spirit right there. You don't have, you don't need to be water baptized, to be saved. But if you're saved, you need to be water baptized. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to say that again. If you're, you don't need to be saved, you don't need to be water baptized to be saved, but if you're saved, you need to be water baptized. Now, if you knew my history and my history of water baptism, which most, most of you do and what I went through, because I, I heard some false doctrine on that when I was a kid, I'm not going to go through all that right now. But, you know, there's some people teach you you need to be water baptized to be saved. You, but that's not in line with the Word of God. But Jesus does command water baptism, and I've been searching for that, what I just said right there, I've been searching for that for 40 years. I'm going to say it again. You don't need to be water baptized to be saved. But if you're saved, you need to be water baptized. That means a whole lot to me. It may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. Now, nonetheless, because see, I was taught as as a kid that if you're not water baptized, you're not saved. But you could go to Acts 10, the 10, and I could spend hours on this teaching now that I got the doctrine on it, the good doctrine of the Word of God. But you go to Acts the 10th chapter and you can see over there, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, that those people over there, uh, they got, at Cornelius' house, they got, they heard the Word of God, they got saved, they got born again, ready for heaven, and then they got filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost, immediately thereafter. I call it the one-two punch. They got born again and filled with the Spirit right at the same time. And then Peter said, can anyone forbid water that he should not be baptized? See, they were already born again on their way to heaven and baptized with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, no doubt. And then he says, water bapti- baptizing. But so you you don't need to be water baptized to be saved, but if you're saved, you what? Need to be water baptized. So anyway, so, so, so Simon, this saucer, he's, he sees the power of God in operation. It astonishes him. He gets saved in verse 13. Let's move on here. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Now, now, now listen to me here. Uh, had Samaria received the word of God? Now, I'm not talking about Simon. He he did. But, uh, uh, but did, did that whole city, did they receive the word of God? What did they receive? Well, uh, Philip, what? He preached who to them? He preached Christ. So they received Christ, didn't they? Jesus Christ is a word made flesh, right? So now here, now the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received... Now the apostles who were at Jerusalem... Now where are we at here? We're in Samaria. But the apostles, there's a revival going on in Samaria. And the apostles who were at Jerusalem... Heard that Samaria received the word of God. So they'd been born again. And that we read earlier they were baptized, water baptized, right? Yeah. Didn't we read that? In verse 12, the end of verse 12. It said, uh, when Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And we see here in verse 14, that they'd receive the word of God. So they got born again, then they got water baptized. Now notice verse 15. Now the apostles at Jerusalem hear about this, who when they'd come down, so now they come down, I think it's Peter and John, they come down there and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized, let's talk about water baptized, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now let's think about this for a minute. Did Samaria hear the preaching of the word? Yes. Were they saved? Yes. Did they get water baptized? Yes. Well now listen to me, if that's all there is to it, and there is no baptism with the Holy Spirit, Why then would these apostles from Jerusalem have to come down to Samaria and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit? Because you know as well as I do, when you get born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. You're born of the Spirit of God. The Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. See, what people don't realize, there's two experiences. There's the new birth, and there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's two separate experiences. And and, and you need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. That's what gets you ready for heaven. Then after you're born of the Spirit, then, yeah, go get water baptized, okay? And, frankly, you need to be baptized with the Spirit. That's 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 an experience subsequent or after you get saved, whereby, you you know, when you get born again, I like to liken it to water. When you get born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. I took that drink. Do I have water in me? Yeah. Yeah. But is there a difference between me taking a drink of that water and dumping the water all over my head? You want to see me do it? (laughs) Is there a difference between that and dumping it on my head? Same water, just two different experiences. Correct? Correct. So when somebody gets born again, you you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you. But then after that, you need to, you need to get baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's like dumping the water on your head, so to speak. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think the baptism in the Holy Spirit passed away, and it's, no, it's still for today. Because we see it here in Acts the eighth chapter. And this is, this is quite some time after the day of Pentecost. And notice here, let's read on with this. Uh, I didn't intend to cover this, but I think we... It, are you getting anything out of it? It's I think it's helpful. So watch this. Notice here, let's start verse 14 again. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they'd come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, Now, when you see the Holy Spirit falling, when it says, the Bible says he fell on them, that's another way of saying baptized with the Holy Ghost. So we could read it like this. For as yet he had, for as yet he had fallen on none of them, we could say they hadn't been baptized with the Spirit yet. They just were born of the Spirit. Okay? Verse 15 again. Who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. He's talking not about the new birth. They were already born again. He's talking about Uh, being baptized with the spirit for as yet he'd fallen on none of them they had only been baptized at the implication of water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus okay now notice verse 17 then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit now that's one way that people can be filled with the spirit is laying hands on them not the only way and uh, it's interesting, as you study into it uh, a little bit, uh, some ministers uh, ha- have a, I don't know how to say this, some ministers have a, uh, uh, I guess I'll say a gift, if you will, of laying hands on people and seeing them filled with the Spirit. Um, now, it, it, let's say it another way. Almost everybody, there's so some ministers, not just ministers, but some believers, almost anybody they lay hands on that want to receive the Holy Ghost, the people receive. Now see, in, in, in this ministry here, now, now I, hadn't been given that, I hadn't been given that gift. My gift has been along laying hands on the sick and seeing them be healed. But we had uh, a lady here years ago, Ruth Fonts. Anybody remember Ruth? And just about anybody she laid hands on that would uh, want to receive the Holy Ghost would receive. They'd speak in tongues almost immediately. Now you and, and sometimes I'd have her work with me in these lines up here when we'd have these prayer lines, and sometimes sometimes I'd have her work with me, or sometimes when uh, and she never really followed me in the line too much at all. But but when people want to come to be filled, sometimes I'd take I'd send them off with her. To the side room over over there, and she'd, she'd instruct them and lay hands on them, they'd get filled with the Holy Ghost. See, I hadn't been given that gift. Now let me warn you of something else. You need to be careful of ministers who, who who claim to be a jack of all trades. Do you get what I just said? That they've got all the gifts. They've got they, there's some that'll tell you there, I'm thinking of one right now. He said he was an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. He was all of them. Had all had had all the gifts, and he was dead in his mid fifties. The Spirit of God tried to warn him, tried to warn him, tried to warn him he wouldn't listen, cost him his life there there there's there's no one minister that has and there's no one believer has all the gifts. Can you say amen to that and uh I don't know if you realize it or not, but today I'm teaching some things that can keep you out of error. And so the question is, why didn't Philip lay hands on these people to get them filled with the Holy Ghost? Why did Peter and John have to come down? Why couldn't Philip have just taken care of it? Well, apparently Philip was—he wasn't anointed along those lines. He preached Christ, and God used him in that. God used him in the in in in, in the healing uh, ministry and miracles, but apparently didn't use him along these lines. So that's why Philip and uh, I'm sorry—that's why Peter and John came down, and they laid hands on him. Verse seventeen, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, notice here, verse 18, and when Simon saw that through, this is a saucer now, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. Now, let's stop right there. Simon saw something, didn't he? Yeah, did. Now, now, right here, almost every time in the book of Acts where the where people are baptized with the Holy Ghost, you see the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But in this passage here, it doesn't specifically say they spoke in, in, in other tongues. But uh, apparently Simon saw, he observed something. So when these people got filled with the Holy Ghost, something was going on. And it doesn't bear itself out right here, but it'll bear itself out in a few moments if you'll stick with me for a few minutes. That apparently, I don't think there's any question about it, when when, when, when the apostles uh, Peter and John laid hands on these people they they were filled with the Spirit we know that from the word of God here but I, they they spoke with other tongues I don't think there's any question about it you'll see it in a moment now let's read on now watch this uh, verse 18 when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands the Holy Spirit was given he offered them money now we need to say uh oh right there uh oh that's not good You start getting money mixed up with, you know, with the moving of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get into error. Have you ever seen folks come on television and, 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 they'll, they'll, they'll start, uh, you know, they'll, they'll supposedly have words of knowledge. There's somebody out there that needs to send in a thousand dollars. Have you ever heard that or seen anything like that? Or somebody, uh, there's 16 people out there that need to send in, that need to send in, you know, $16.30. And if you send in $16.30, then Act 1630 will go into operation for you or whatever. That's just a bunch of hooey. Yeah. Amen. And by the way, there's some, Uh, let's move on here, and uh, and they let, let, let's let's go on here. And they laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. That's a no-no. Do you ever hear of simony? You ought to study that out. There's your assignment for next week. Study what simony means. You know what simony means. Well, S sp- I O M S I O M N I guess E Y is how I spell it. Study that out and study that out in context with Simon. Here, there's a little assignment for you. It's a bad thing. You don't mix the Holy Ghost up with money. Can you say Amen? Anyway, watch this. Verse 19 saying, give me this power also. Now what did Simon want? He said, give me this what? Give me this power also. So he wanted something he didn't have before. So we know Simon wasn't operating in this kind of power. Now he just observed that something happened to these people when Peter and John laid hands on them. He said, give me this power also. That anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. This is dangerous stuff. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is dangerous. Give me this power also. And what did he do? Look at this. He, He offered them money. Offering money for a spiritual gift. Could that be simony? Wow, that's bad fish. Has anybody looked up Simony e. on their phone? Okay, we'll look it up later. Offering money for the Holy Ghost to move. It's not good. Give me this power also. I'll give you some money, Peter and John, if you'll give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Not good stuff here. Notice verse 20, But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you. Well, I'm in good company. I just, I just, I'm in good company here with Peter. He said, Your money perish with you. Your money perish with you, That's not a good thing to be hearing from Peter, a man full of the Holy Ghost. Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Friends, you don't have enough money. The richest man on earth doesn't have enough money to buy the power of God. And then he says this in verse 21 to Simon, You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now if you look at that in the original Greek, in this matter, if you study into it, it can be translated in this matter of utterance. So what apparently happened when Peter and John laid hands upon the born-again believers there in Samaria, they received the Holy Ghost and there was what? There was utterance. Now you go study that out for yourself. And then he says this, for your heart, he's talking to Simon the sorcerer, who remember in verse 13, we left him last saved, is that right? But let's look and see, let's see here. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. That's not a good place to be. Repent therefore of this your wickedness. And pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. He's in a dangerous place right here, isn't he? For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Bound by iniquity. Was he saved? I'll leave that for you to to determine. I'm not the judge. But we know he's poisoned by bitterness... Now why is he poisoned by bitterness? It's very simple. He's poisoned by bitterness because all the people were following him and then Philip came down and preached Christ. They got saved. Peter and John came down. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And now they're not looking at Simon as a power of God anymore. They're looking at Peter and John and these others. In other words, uh, Simon lost his crowd. And he's bitter about it. Is he saved? Verse 13, you can make argument he is, but you start reading over here, you make argument he's not. By the way, I wanted to tell you this. A couple weeks ago, I think last week I said this, I want to say it here now. Whenever somebody dies, have you ever gone to a funeral, somebody has died? And people will be maybe in the back or whatever, you know, they'll be trying to, you know, they'll be talking. I wonder if that person was saved or not. And, and, and there's some scratching of the head going on, whether or not that person that their body's in the casket they're scratching of the head going on wondering if that person was saved or not. you know it's never a good thing after somebody dies if people are scratching their head whether or not they were saved or not. How many of you know that's not good? I don't want, when I die and my body's laying in the casket, I don't want people scratching their head wondering if I was saved or not. How many of you know that's not a good thing? If people are scratching their head wondering if that person that died was saved or not. That's not good, is it? I I want to have such a testimony for Jesus that there's no question that when I die, people know that I went to be with the Lord. But I've seen a lot of them laying in caskets where people are scratching their head. I wonder if that person was saved or not. Uh, well, I'm not to judge. I don't know for sure, but I know this. It's not a good thing when people are scratching their head. Can you say amen? Do you want you, when you die, do you want me standing there scratching my head wondering or not if you were saved? <laughs> i'll tell you right now by the spirit of God there's going to be people in heaven that you're going to be shocked that they that they're there and there's going to be people not there that you're going to be shocked that they're not there now you hear what i'm saying i'm going to say that again you'll see people if you're bored again and you know jesus you'll see people in heaven that you thought would you can't you can't believe that they're there and there'll be other people you'll be looking around for them where are they and, 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 and and, and they're not there. Do you know some Christians live a double life? Did you know that? Do you know some Christians are Christians in name only. They have a name that they're alive, but in their spirits they're dead. Read the book of Revelation chapter 2 or 3. I think it's the church in Sardis. Jesus said you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Now you know as well as I do. You've seen it in the land where some of the biggest ministers... Some of the biggest ministers. And, and they'll, they'll come out and things will come out where, you know, they, they're doing things that you would never believe they were doing. Is that right? Sexually and otherwise. Is that right? And you know it's the truth. Are those people saved? Are they just saved because they professed Christ? Jesus said, many will not a few, but many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Jesus said, listen, He said, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Is that right? Is that right? Jesus said, Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. He said that many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many wonderful works. And then he said, then will I say to them, uh, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice sin. See, they lived a double life, didn't they? Repent, therefore, verse 23. Of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see you're poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity. Then look at verse 24. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. Well, I can see some repentance there, can't you? Maybe not. you, You know... You know, Peter denied Jesus three times and he went out and wept bitterly and he repented, didn't he? But Judas, he betrayed Jesus and the Bible says, uh, that the, the King James says that Judas repented, but you study it in the Greek, he didn't repent, he had a regret. you know there's a difference between repentance and regret? Regret is not true Bible repentance. Now, I don't know. The more I look at this right now, I'm not so sure Simon is really repenting or if he's just regretting. Simon answered, "Said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which He has spoken may come upon me." I don't know. I'm not the judge. Verse 24. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of Samar- of the Samaritans. Now, 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 I'm almost finished, but let's just read on just a little bit further. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying... Now, now, listen to me. Philip is right in the middle of a massive citywide revival. Okay? And he's got Peter and John. They've come down. I mean, things are rocking and rolling here in this city for good. We talked about Simon the sorcerer, but you've got to realize, people are getting saved by the droves, healed by the droves. Peter and John come down, they're being filled with the Holy Ghost by the droves. And now, in verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, so he arose and went. Now, I don't think if I had been Philip, I would have wanted to leave there. Because I've got the mass, now you're gonna find something out about God right here. I've got the mass multitudes following me. I mean, my gosh, you know, I mean, we got a city rider, you know, he might have been saying to the angel, I'm speculating, why would you want me to leave here? I mean, we got this big revival going on. I don't want to leave here. But the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Arise, go toward the south. And down there was desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip, Philip ran to him and heard him uh, reading the prophet Isaiah. And said, do you understand, and, and you can read on here that this guy's reading about when Jesus was, died on the cross and all of that. and, and what happened was is uh, uh, Philip preached Christ to this guy. What do we learn about God? He's concerned about the mass multitudes, but he's also concerned about one eunuch out in the desert. Can you say Amen? And he preaches Jesus to him, and this guy gets saved and then he gets water baptized. And, uh, and and God is very strategic too because this guy takes the gospel back to Ethiopia. And I think you can do some study on him and find out in, in history, I think, some things that he may have done, but we know he must have taken the gospel back there. That's a good thing, isn't it? and uh and so on and so forth you can read on with that but now notice here they go down into the, they stop with the chariot they you know the unit gets saved Philip water baptizes him you know and all of that uh, you can read that on your own but i want to get to this cuz my time slipped away verse 39 when they came up out of the water the spirit of the lord caught Philip away now think about that for a second Caught him away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He was translated by the Spirit of God. Now you think? I mean, we're we're talking Star Trek stuff there. You know what I mean? Beamed up? I, I'm joking now. But you you t- you know? What I mean, think about it. Think about me standing here preaching to you, and all of a sudden I'm translated out to out to Rolla, Missouri, and I'm in a pulpit out there preaching. I mean, think about that. Can you get your mind around that? He was translated in the Spirit by the Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus got on the boat with the disciples at one time? And the Bible says immediately they were at the other side. You remember that? So this is, not the first, this is the first time that translation happened. It happened there when Jesus got on a ship that one time. And it happened here that Philip was translated immediately. That's some bizarre stuff, isn't it? I'll close with this. Do you think it's real, Do you think it'd be real neat to preach Christ in Samaria and see miracles and signs and wonders? I do. And then, and then an angel appeared to you and you, you go out in the desert and there's the eunuch and you preach Christ to him and baptize him. And then you get done with him and then the Spirit of God catches you away. That'd be neat, wouldn't it? But why did Philip get this? I'll tell you why he got it. He got it because before anybody knew who he was, he was faithful to study, faithful to pray when nobody knew who he was, faithful to go before God, faithful to be full of the Holy Ghost and power, full of the Word of God, and he was humble enough to wait on tables. And if he hadn't have been humble enough to wait on tables, none of this other fantastic stuff would have ever happened. Did you, so humility is a great thing, isn't it? Did you get anything out of this? All right. Well, stand with me if you would. I only said about, about only 10% of that was what I had in my notes. So, so we trusted that was a blessing to you. Listen, if you're on social media, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus shall be saved. So repent of your sins, call on the name of Jesus, receive Him, and He'll come into your heart. And then and then ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And He'll, he'll do that too. You'll speak with tongues. But even more important than that, you'll become a great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then go find you a good local church and, and serve there and stay there and, and stay there for the long haul. Bless God. And, and be water baptized. Baptized and all of that and be a blessing for the kingdom of God. So hey, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.